Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. And that French music, market music, cafe music, makes me so, uh, I said bittersweet because this is our last program here on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta in Lourdes, France. Uh, it's been an amazing experience. Uh, it's been very beautiful. Uh, it always is. This is my eighth pilgrimage here, uh, but... Uh, it's, uh, it never seems to get old. It's been uh, just a wonderful and very rewarding experience. And really one of the things that's most profound and, and lasting about this is certainly being here uh, at a shrine for Our Lady, but um, also just the people that you meet and you encounter uh, and the, the many stories uh, and really just all the various perspectives that you get in this universal church that all comes together here in this beautiful spot in uh, south of France. And uh, one of the folks I met here and just wanted to see if we could ask him a few questions uh one of our one of our pilgrims but essentially one of the uh um uh chaplains that comes along uh for the ride is bishop james johnston he's the bishop of the diocese of kansas city saint joseph so bishop johnston thank you so much for being with us you're welcome it's good to be with you well so this is your first time here um in lourdes uh as a pilgrim on this pilgrimage of the order of malta and i thought it'd be interesting to get some of your um, your perspective, maybe some some um, uh, first impressions that you might have gotten. I don't know if you knew what to expect when you came on pilgrimage here. What were your thoughts? Well, um, I'd heard a number of stories from others who had been here, but uh, I came in sort of as a blank slate. I wanted to sort of be open to the particular grace that God had in store for not only myself, but for those who, whom I was traveling with. And so, um, of course, I, I grew up uh, as a child hearing, hearing about Lourdes and, right. and uh, seeing the movie The Song of Bernadette. Yeah. And so uh, had an awareness of the events here. But uh, I think for everyone that comes here, there's, a, there's something unique about the particular people you're with, mm-hmm. the time that you go, and... Uh, Certainly for me, uh, to, to just see the, the graces that uh, many of the Malads, the sick people that have come with us with the Order of Malta, but also my own, my own experiences, personal experience of encountering people not only in our group but in other groups, um, and only in my own experiences of prayer, um, I decided I would go into the baths myself. Mm. Uh, and uh, just that experience, as well as the liturgies, um, it's been a very beautiful gift for me. Um, it's opened my eyes to, uh, to some, some things, um, but just some beautiful, beautiful experiences. Um, I would say the, uh, the thing that I would s- describe about Lourdes is that it really is a, a very tangible experience of what Jesus spoke about in the Gospels about uh, the kingdom of God. Um, you, um, you really see people, the best of people, uh, no matter what their condition, whether they, they come here with serious illness or whether they've come here 
to help those who who are ill. Um, it brings out the best in people. Uh, everyone, I think, realizes um, that they have a gift to give. Um, even in their illness, they have a gift to give mm. to others. Um, and in a sense, I believe for many who are sick here, um, they begin to realize that God is in all things, even their illness, and that he'll use that for their good and the good of others. And you often hear those who are assisting the sick thank those who are ill. It, it seems paradoxical. Um, but you begin to realize that, uh, that the good Lord is at work in everything. And I think that's, that's one of the revelations for so many. Um, Do you think it's hard, though, when um, people in their everyday experience to realize that sometimes that those crosses that we encounter so often in our lives, we don't actually see them as a cross. We see them as some kind of just a burden or um, um, maybe a, a perceived punishment. Or it just, it's, it's easy to get sort of you know, despondent in that situation. And then you come here and you experience something totally different. It is. It is. Uh, and, and that's understandable. I mean, um, not, only the, not only the physical suffering, but I think for many who are ill, um, it carries a, a great burden of worry. Um, mm. you, meet, you meet a lot of even young adults here who, um, who get, get sick with something like cancer right. or some other serious life-threatening disease. And even... Um, the prognosis is pretty serious, and many, you know, they, they have families, they have they have children, and they're and they're so. I think part of the suffering is is seeing the suffering um, of those who love them mm. um, and are concerned about them. You know, uh, seeing the suffering involved in a spouse who 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 in a sense tries to carry right. that cross in a different way. As well as as well as one's own children, um, so there there's this whole uh, package of of uh, of burdens that goes with uh, an illness like that. Uh, just and I think that spiritual suffering and that emotional suffering that comes with an illness is even more profound than than the actual physical pain. Uh, and I think most people who are going through this would uh, acknowledge that. And you mentioned the uh, uh, essentially being inspired or seeing uh, those who are sick and they have these great gifts and that God is present in them, even to us. Uh, isn't it inspiring to see these malads? Uh, and, and isn't it, I guess, kind of neat to see how we are ministered to as well in the process? It is. It is. And it, it's, you, you begin to realize what Jesus says. When Jesus says, you know, my power is made perfect in weakness, um, you know, that uh, uh, in the scriptures where it, where it speaks about uh, God's power being made perfect in weakness. I guess it was St. Paul, maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, that, um, you know, that, that, you know, it is when we are, in a sense, stripped of, um, of some of the, what we consider to be our power, that we really discover the love of God and the strength of God's life uh, that that sustains us. 
you also mentioned the word uh, tangible earlier on. And, and I think it's kind of neat to kind of actually see our faith sort of lived out. I mean, how often do we hear the preaching or do we read the scriptures and we just see them as words and, you know, especially the, 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 the average Sunday Catholic will hear a nice, nice little homily and go have a coffee and donuts afterwards and some niceties are shared. And maybe their lives aren't really always transformed. But when you have an experience like you've come here to Lourdes, it, it really makes it, it's, it's very real. All of a sudden your faith is real. It's not just a concept, right? It's, it, 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 it moves into uh, the reality of our physicality, you know, in this ministering to others and being ministered to. Yeah, and I, I believe that's, that's why pilgrimages are, are very important. Um, that's what happens on a pilgrimage, and, and to an extent on a retreat, but a pilgrimage is a little bit different. It's, it's like a, it is a retreat, but it's, it's a journey, mm-hmm. and in a sense it's, it's a microcosm of your life where you're experiencing um, in a set period of time with, with other people a journey of faith and um, and that's sort of reflected in the you know of course in the in the book of Exodus where the the people are moving to the promised land right. together through the desert uh, and um, but the same thing is true on a pilgrimage it it in a sense gives you a window into the rest of your life and allows you to see it from a different perspective yeah. that's that, that's true and you know you mentioned uh, several times now the people that you're with and I guess also we forget sometimes um, the fact that we're we're born into a family, we're born into into community, and and we worship in community, and we live and operate, uh, you know, with the with the few exceptions of the uh, some monk that might be living in a cave somewhere. The reality is we're we're we, we're communal people, and so coming on pilgrimage, that's an extremely important aspect, isn't it, to be with other people having that communal experience. It is. Um we we sometimes forget that uh, we are born dependent. Uh, mm. No one can live alone. Uh, no one sins alone. No one is saved alone, as uh, Pope Benedict uh, uh, says so beautiful, beautifully in his uh, encyclical on hope. Mm. You know, he, he he even says, you know, our lives uh, spill over into other people's lives, for better or for worse, wow. and uh, and there's part of a there's a providential quality also about um, the people that I go through life with. Um, most often I don't choose them. God chooses them for me. And uh, I am, even when I'm born, um, uh, I'm received into a family as a gift. And we all are. And there's a quality of that too in the other relationships we have. Often you take a job or you enter a parish, um, you know, they receive you as a gift, and you receive them. And so God's hand is in all of that, uh, putting people in our lives at different points. And uh, these are the people, especially in the community of faith, the church, that I, I, I make the journey with. And I, mm. ne- I need them, and, uh, and they need me. Uh, and so that's the beauty. That's the beauty of it. And, and Lourdes... Makes brings that all into focus. It, it brings that all into clarity, um, and that and that everyone is important. We are talking to Bishop James Johnston, Diocese of Kansas City, Saint Joseph, and we'll continue to talk, um, Your Excellency, about uh, your experience here at Lourdes on pilgrimage. And we're going to take a short break. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we've got a great website. 
uh, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Tradition tells us that the parents of Mary, the mother of God, were named Joachim and Anne. Not much is known of the details of their lives, but they have become the focus of great admiration and veneration. This is most assuredly due to the fact that their daughter Mary was the humble virgin chosen by God to bring Jesus into the world, and an example for all Christians. One story tells us that after they were married, Saints Joachim and Anne greatly desired to have a family. They tried, however, for many years to conceive. It was thought that St. Anne was barren. Things looked hopeless. They did not lose their faith, however. They prayed continually to God for the blessing of a child. One night, an angel appeared and said that God had indeed heard them, and they would receive the child for which they so fervently prayed. On that very night, in thankfulness, St. Anne promised to dedicate her child to God. Not long after that, Mary was born. Many have wondered how the church can honor as saints those whom we know little about. In the case of Saints Joachim and Anne, we need only look at their important role as the parents of Mary, the young girl who would freely offer herself in service to God and all mankind. Regardless of the details of their lives, we know that as parents in a good Jewish family, they would be responsible for Mary's upbringing. They were Mary's teachers. They fed her, nurtured her, encouraged her, and supported her, even in the moment of accepting God's call to be the mother of God. It was their dedication to living a holy life that God used to serve as an example for Mary. In fact, what she learned from her parents, she most naturally would use in bringing up the child Jesus. And it was her parents' faith that laid the foundation for Mary's consolation and acceptance of God's will at the foot of her son's cross. Saints Joachim and Anne serve as an example for all married couples in bringing up their children to willingly accept the vocations to which they are called in service to God. As early as the 4th century, a church was built by St. Helena, mother of Constantine, on the site where the sainted couple lived in Jerusalem. Saints Joachim and Anne are often depicted in artwork holding Mary and teaching her to read from the sacred scriptures. Their feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on July 26th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, the French Catholic Cafe. And actually, this is our last program here on pilgrimage in Lourdes, France, with the Order of Malta. And uh, I'm sitting here with Bishop James Johnston. He's the bishop of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. Uh, bishop Johnston, thank you so much for, for joining us here. And, and just, I guess, sharing some of these first impressions that you've had uh, about your experience at Lourdes. And I know um, um, 
the, the, this calendar is full when you get here. You don't really ever have any. I, I know as a bishop, you're probably very busy always anyway, and so you're used to it. But really, everything's all planned out, lots of events. What kind of things stick out to you when you got here and what you've experienced that like sort of profound kind of like, wow, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that experience, that particular liturgy or that that time at the baths or whatever. What are the kind of things that you uh, that you've just that stick out to you as something that's been profound and sort of moving in your experience? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, one is just the uh, just being in the grotto, um, especially at, at night, uh, where things slow down and it's uh, it's quiet and uh, it's peaceful. It's beautiful uh, to be there with other people and um, and to pray and. One of the things that's really jumped out at me is just this, the symbolism of, of what goes on there. Um, you know, it's, I think it's significant that this place is near a, a fast-flowing river. Mm. Yeah, and, that river moving quickly. It's moving quickly. And, uh, and in a sense, it's a, it's a symbol for me of, um, of what I think we can discover wherever we are, even if you're never able to go to Lourdes or if you come here and you leave. Um, I think Mary wants to show us that you know, you can step away from the fast-flowing mm. stream of life whenever you pray and go into the grotto. The grotto is, in a sense, a, it's a harbor. It's a, it's a safe harbor uh, with Mary. And, uh, and there you find the spring that's always flowing. And what's one of the most beautiful images of, of, uh, of Christ and the Holy Spirit is the living water of yeah. the spring. And so I think she's, she's pointing us not simply to this particular water, which is significant, but she is pointing us symbolically to encountering the living water that we we always find mm. in in the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, um, where we where where we we drink in a sense, right. uh, and also the sacrament of reconciliation, where we wash, and those were the two things she told Bernadette with this water, you know, drink it and wash in it. So I just found this so profound that uh, those are just symbols of the sacraments where we encounter the living water, where you know, Jesus speaks about the living water to the Samaritan woman. So that, that to me, was just jumped out at me, uh, and that's something that I'll take with me, that I can always step away from the fast-flowing stream into the grotto and, and especially encounter Christ, the living water. But another, another moment for me was... Um, the, the the day that we had the Eucharistic procession, mm. um, in which uh, we we walked all through the the domain uh, with the Eucharist in procession, and ended up in front of the church in the in the piazza in front of the church, right. and I had a special place um, with the other bishops kneeling there, looking out at the malads and the and the great crowd, and I was struck. In the first row were um, a number of children who uh, who had um, some severe uh, handicaps uh, and struggles and challenges and um, and uh, and and seeing that and seeing all the other malads that were there and it just dawned on me wow this must have been like I, I, have, I had the vision of what Jesus saw um, when when they brought people to him for healing and people just flocked out into the countryside and uh, you know uh, he had compassion on them for they were like sheep without a shepherd yeah. and, and I thought well here is the Lord on the altar and uh, he's present among us still he abides with us and here we all are 
drawn to him for the same reasons. And that particular evening, uh, a couple in our group who are here um, um, as Malad and companion, they're a couple, um, that, that particular evening, um, one of these young people who has a severe form, evidently one of the, the young people with a severe, evidently, form of autism, a young woman crawled over to a man, one of the, the companions. She crawled up into his lap and mm-hmm. just hugged him. And just the physical contact for... She just hugged him and he hugged her for 15 minutes. And, and afterwards she, she let go and, and went back to her cart. Um, and it was, uh, it was a, a, beautiful, a beautiful symbol of, I think, God just wanting to embrace embrace us yeah. and hug us um, some things like that uh, and last night I was I was in the grotto um, and uh, a woman about my age uh, sat down next to me and she saw I was I was a bishop or maybe thought I was a priest but she she knew I was a clergy you are, you are a priest though <laughs> yeah, I am a priest yeah she, but she saw the collar and uh, she uh, she was from another country uh, a Czech woman uh, had had a little English, fortunately, because I don't know any Czech. Yeah. Um, but she shared some of her burden with me and her family, and and we prayed, and uh, and I gave her a blessing, and uh, and uh, we sat there together, and and uh, she got up finally and said, "I'm happy, I'm happy." Uh, wow, what a blessing to be part of uh, something like that. You know, you also mentioned being uh, in the grotto, and that makes me think about um, something that you you know. We, we take what we get here in Lourdes. It's not meant to be kept here in Lourdes. It's meant to be taken back with with us wherever we are. It's one of the beautiful things about pilgrimage is it doesn't end when the pilgrimage ends. It, it just it, it continues to form us. And just the idea of, of you mentioned that fast-moving river and taking time and going to the grotto. One of the things that's beautiful about the grotto is there, it's so much stuff going on. There's always a mass like every hour. But then as it gets to nighttime and they stop doing the masses, there's time to go down there like you did, an experience like just a prayer time. But it just reminds us of the importance of sacred silence, that sometimes just that sort of getting away. Even if you go and sit uh, in front of the tabernacle in your parish, uh, go to um, if some places will have uh, adoration uh, available to you uh, perpetually. But just that sacred silence is important, isn't it? It is. And, I, and I've thought about that uh, often that, uh, you know, Pulling away to a quiet place where you can uh, get away from just the distractions um, for a while. Uh, in a sense, your, your parish uh, adoration chapel or your, your church, uh, that, that can be your grotto. Mm. Uh, th- and that's especially if the Lord is, is present there in, a, in, a, in, the, in, a, in the tabernacle. Um, it, that, can, uh, that can be your grotto. And that's how sort of I'm going to always think about it from this point on. Mm, nice. Well, speaking of that, you know, you're, um, the, the Greek word episkopos from the scriptures, you know, it just means overseer. And you are the overseer of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. And um, so you as the bishop, that's where we get the word the bishop from, from episkopos. And, you know, so as, as the shepherd of that diocese, you've got your flock there. What is it you're going to take back to them, right? Is this, I'm, I'm assuming that this, this experience is something that's going to inform uh, and literally transform you as, as a man, but also as a minister. What is it you take back to your, uh, to your flock? Well, I, I'm going to take back, I think, a renewed sense of, um, 
of the journey uh, that that we're on pilgrimage through life, and uh, um, that in a special way um, I'm called to bring um, comfort to others, but also I'm uh, I'm there to receive. Uh, to, to realize it, it's a renewed sense that mm. everyone in the in the family, uh, everyone on the journey with me, has something important to give, and so it it's I have a heightened awareness of um, of not just giving, but I need to be more willing to receive and to become aware of what others can give, and sometimes to help them to realize that too. I find that's that's one of the one of the things that challenge so many people is that they don't they don't realize what their gifts are and right. and what God has given them uh, to give for the good of others. That's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess also uh, a lot of times people will look at their their bishop or maybe their pastor and they'll think like, well, he's someone who's got it. He's already he understands everything. But j- just the concept that you've come here and you actually get spiritually refreshed. Refreshed. I mean, you 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 need. You need things as well that, that well, I should say God pours grace into you as well in this process. It's not just uh, that you've got some good material to go back and share with others, but really you're literally, your spirituality has probably been bolstered in, uh, to a certain degree. I think the other thing here at Lourdes that's, that's helped me is, um, is to, to see that there are graces paradoxically in the things that I think we want to run from. Mm. You know, and certainly, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do anything to try to alleviate suffering, right? You know, oh, I understand that, that sort of thing. But, but, that, but to not miss uh, that 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 God is in that too, mm. uh, and that that there are great blessings, and there's there's something God wishes to give us as as we are able to unite that to the Lord and His own cross. You know. That's one of the things I think we we probably haven't plumbed enough is when Jesus says, "I want you to take up your cross now right. and follow in my footsteps." What does that mean, and yeah. and why why is that so significant? Why is that conditional in in being a disciple? And and I think we want to be a disciple without taking up the cross. And um, so that that's sort of opened my my heart up a, a bit on on that too, and looking at my own crosses in life differently. Well, look out, Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. I, I I hear a pretty good homily coming here <laughs> in the near future. Bishop Johnston, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Give us your first and lasting impressions of of Lords. Would you close us with a with a blessing? The Lord be with you and with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son. And the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Go in peace. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks be, be to God. God. Our Lady of Lords, pray, for, pray us. for us. St. Bernadette, pray for us. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly. Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.